Hi, it's Phil Brown. I'm here with David Whelan, and we're going to talk about some uh, tips for having your own website. If you have a website for your law firm, you can put all sorts of information on it that will help people to find you faster and learn a little bit more about the sorts of services you provide. So it gives you a great opportunity to have something working for you 24 hours a day that if people type in a search in Google or if a friend refers you to them, they can quickly find out a little bit about your site. And it would be a good idea to have information about, you know, where your law office is, uh, the languages spoken in your law office, the type of service you provide, things like that. If you have other content, too, if you are blogging for your practice or blogging for your practice area, you can have that incorporated into your website. If you've got newsletters and other content, it's a great way to take something that you have shared with your clients or potential clients through mail or in a physical format and put it up on your website as well. And you could have, uh, it, it can also be part of your branding uh, in your website name. Uh, it could be www.davidwheelan.com. Right. Um, and and if, I guess a few things that go with that, if you have your own domain like that, uh, you could also run an intranet in the background and uh, give clients uh, secret access, I guess, to that site that no one else would have access to. Exactly. That's a great example of, of resources that are available now to any size law firm. You don't have to be a big firm to have a so-called extranet. You can create a secure place for your clients to log in and either look at information you want to provide them or have a place where they can share information with you in a secure way um, at, at any firm size. And so let's talk about some of the other things that should be included in your website that maybe are less exciting, uh, things like a terms of use document. Yeah, there are a number of documents that you should probably have accessible on your website. And, and like your email confidentiality statement, it may not be that effective because like your email confidentiality statement is probably at the bottom of your email. These documents are often linked in at the bottom of your website, but they're still important to provide so that you are able to define for people who visit your website what they should be expecting from you and from the information that is on your website and also have an understanding of the sorts of information that you're capturing from their visit, both the information that they give you voluntarily and the information that you're capturing about when they visited, where they came from, that sort of thing. And so it's a good idea to have things in your terms of use statement, like the information provided on your website is as is, where is, uh, might not be updated, uh, and the fact that it's not legal advice. Exactly. I think having a, a public face on the web means that you are essentially standing on a street corner and greeting everybody who walks by. And the issues that will arise from creating a lawyer-client relationship from people who you won't actually have interacted with. Right. So, and, and when we say lawyer, it's interchangeable with paralegals. There are legal services firms that have uh, websites as well. Uh, so in terms of uh, other documents, the privacy statement that is also usually embedded at the bottom of a website covers uh, what sorts of things? Well, when people visit a website, they leave information about where they've come from. They sometimes will leave information about where they go to next. They might have come to your website using a particular keyword in Google or a search that they used. And all of that information may be, may be captured by you. It's usually a good idea to let people know that you have got that information about them so that they understand what you're capturing on that website. Right. And there are also uh, statements with respect to things like PIPEDA as to who, uh, who keeps that information uh, and if there's some sort of a dispute, who they would contact and so on. Um, and in terms of people emailing uh, your website, uh, there's a few uh, tips that we might include there. Right. And you had a great suggestion, which was to use an email form. And I'll let you talk about that. I think another good reason not to put your email address on your website 
is that the email will then be harvested by people who will start to spam you and, and that will give you uh, an increased opportunity to have problems coming to you via email, whether it's a, a worm or a virus or some other uh, bad information that's coming through those emails. Right. And then that's, I, I guess, my point is it's a good idea to have an email form on your website instead of just your your email. Uh, and these are forms. Uh, it's a fill-in-the-blank type form on your website. And uh, the person, prospective client, would contact you. They would fill in information uh, their name and address and how you could get a hold of them to, to, to discuss their legal problem. Um, and that sort of form prevents them from sending you an attachment. And as David mentioned, it might have a, a virus or malware attached to an email. Uh, you avoid all that with a fill in the blank form. The other great thing about the form is that it allows you to link back in your terms of use, your privacy statement, any of the other disclaimers you're providing, so that even if they haven't gotten to the bottom of your website and clicked on those links or read those documents, by the time that they've filled out that form, you'll have had an opportunity for them to understand that you have not created the lawyer-client relationship. And, and that's a good point, is, is part one of the provisos uh, that should be on the same page as your uh, email form would be uh, some sort of information to tell them that they're not a client until they've retained you in the usual way to become a client and no information that they send you will be considered confidential until they have formed that solicitor-client relationship. That's great. Um, and it also prevents uh, a conflicts of interest situation. Uh, you don't want that person giving you information about the case and creating a relationship uh, until you've been able to do a conflicts check um, and you want to be able to protect them as well. And we've seen an increase in people using websites to interact with lawyers and ask them to engage in collections or, or other activities for, on their behalf uh, that are actually frauds, are, are things that uh, don't end up doing anything other than hurting the lawyer and the lawyer's trust account. And that's and that's happening a lot lately. Uh, Lawyers in small and, and small to mid-sized firms are being targeted uh, as part of a fraud just because they have an email and someone will email them and say, hey, look, someone referred, uh, referred you to me uh, and can you do this kind of work for me? Uh, and that's how it all starts. Uh, and lawyers really need to be diligent in, in doing the client ID and verification uh, requirements to make sure that they're not setting up a relationship with a fraudster. The use of a, an email form can also slow down the the fraudster so that if they are just harvesting email addresses that are out there and then contacting lawyers, if they have to go through your form, they may not take the uh, the time to do that. It, it is a, a fraud of opportunity. So that's another good way to give yourself a little bit of pr protection. And also, if it sounds too good to be true, uh, it probably is. And then that's great advice because... Uh you know, if you've been in business for 20 years and no one's ever come to you with a collection and all of a sudden uh, here's a collection and you don't have to do anything and the next thing you know, there's a $200,000 check in the mail to you, uh, you really need to think twice and, and maybe call some people to find out, uh, you know, could this be a fraud? And we've been talking about some of the policies you should have on your website and some of the content that you should have on your website. What do you think, Phil, about making the website a really personal place, something that tells them more about you as a person as opposed to you as a lawyer? And, and a lot of lawyers have a tendency to do that. Um, they will personalize the website and, you know, have photos of somewhat casual poses uh, with their lawyers in their office and thing. It's a great idea. It, it certainly personalizes the lawyer a little more and makes them more accessible. 
but the danger is, you know, what is in that photo or what information is available. And, and I, I've seen some lawyer websites where you can see all of their family photos in the background. You can maybe see uh, the kids out in front of the house in a photo. Uh, and lawyers have to be aware that that information could be out there and, and anyone could have access to it. It's not too hard to figure out where you live if you have a photo like that or what your kids look like. And, and it's a potential danger for people. That's a great point, Phil. Um, the other thing is, you know, what if you have uh, if you have personal phone numbers instead of business phone numbers on your website, people should be aware of things like reverse lookup uh, tools on the website. It, it's not hard to find out where you live. And, and maybe just a few last points, uh, updates, and uh, why it's a good idea to have them. You really need to make sure your, your website is up to date. People will realize uh, if something isn't current. So if you're not willing to keep content up to date, um, at least make sure that your phone number is accurate, that your uh, email address and your um, other information that you might have available for contacting is, is all up to date. And if lawyers and paralegals don't currently have websites? If you don't have a website, you're in a minority and it's a great opportunity now to think about all these things so that when you turn on your website and you start to use it to bring in clients, that you've already got the terms of use and the privacy privacy statements in these forms in place so that you're not playing catch, catch up or finding yourself in an awkward position. Thanks, David. Thanks, Phil.